I'm so excited. So if everyone remembers, a couple months back, we did a finance episode with Sydney. It was such a great episode and I learned so much, but I think everyone wanted to go a step further after listening to that episode. And we've gotten so many requests for a crypto episode and I'm super stoked that we got to do that today. Yeah, I learned so much. I mean, I've always been kind of interested in crypto, but never really... I always wanted to know more. And I think that there's always going to be something more you can learn about it, no matter how far you get into it. And I mean, even in this episode, I learned so many things from Tanya. Yeah, Tanya's amazing. She's so knowledgeable. She is so cool as well. I feel like she just gave the best examples. No, and I wanted to hang out with her. I know I might get to hang out with her because she's coming to <laughs> Italy in a couple of weeks. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like you'd have to have like grace with yourself with all these things. You know, it's easy to feel like a grandma because you're like, what's crypto? What's NFT? Like, I don't understand anything. But also, like, imagine if you went to like this time in even like our parents or grandparents' lives and you're like, here's TikTok and Instagram. They would be like, what? So it's like just having grace to like allow yourself to learn and be curious. You know, you don't have to be a professional crypto trader to start learning about it. So that was kind of what I took away from Tanya. So you can always learn, but have grace because this is all still like relatively very new in our world yeah, and realm today. Um, and just some background on Tanya. She's a professor, a lawyer. Um, she's the creator of Advantage Evans, which features courses on crypto. It's a crypto community. And it's just a way to help people learn about the future of money and crypto and entrepreneurship. And she's so knowledgeable. And I just thoroughly enjoyed our conversation with her. I've like dabbled in crypto a little bit. Like I talked on the episode, I've bought a little bit of crypto starting last year through Venmo. But I had no idea about like the wallets and that we need to be like yeah. protecting our, you know, it's not solely ours when we purchase through these second I guess, wave platforms. And yeah, I just felt like it kind of made me feel like, wow, I'm doing, you know, I'm trying to buy crypto and start investing in it, but I'm not even doing it correctly or in the best way. So I definitely took away from that. I'm going to go get my wallet started tonight. So yeah, I'm definitely going to download that Gemini app. Yeah. And we will, we'll link all of the resources and websites and things that Tanya talks about in the show notes. So I feel like this will be one of those episodes you have to listen through, you know, once, maybe twice, maybe three times, and you'll be able to take something new from it each time you listen. Um, And that's kind of what we did with Sydney's episode. So before we jump into the world of crypto and NFTs and all those things, let's run over our week really quick. Are you having a better week so far compared to yes. last week? Yes. Last definitely. week, we really hit you guys with some yeah, tragedy. We struggling. So. And honestly, we're kind of recording this episode a little bit early, so it hasn't been a full week yet because Bird's headed off to Greece. I'm heading to Michigan um, on Friday. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, since we talked, I've definitely had some good things happen. I think some highs. My sweet coworker, Shayna, who is the most thoughtful person ever, she knew that I was having a very Monday Monday and sent me a box of cookies on Uber Eats and texted me and said, go look outside. And it was just really, really thoughtful and sweet. And I think that's sweet. I know. And those little acts of kindness just go so far. Yeah, absolutely. And then another high point for me, um, I got a full eight hours of sleep last night for the first time in a very long time. I typically average around five to six 
And I think yeah. my body was just exhausted. My mind was exhausted. I, I really needed it. I really needed some, yeah. some good sleep. It's so crazy because I know that we're I know that we're seven hours apart, but it's like you're almost awake every minute that I'm awake because you wake up so early. Like some people in my life, I know for a fact I can't talk to them until like, you know, 5, 6 p.m., but not Allie. I can talk to you like pretty much when I'm waking up, which says something, but yeah, I'm glad you had an eight-hour sleep. Pause at like 4.30 a.m. or 5. Yeah, I'm like, Allie, um, well, that's good. I'm. I think with my like just brain, like just wake up and I have a million thoughts just immediately start rolling through, and like the morning is my most creative and just highest energy. So it's nice to have some rest. I think. Yeah, something that I do is that I wake up really early, and Perry taught me this, but it's not to just immediately look at your phone because if I wake yeah. up early, like earlier than I'd like to. And then I roll over and immediately look at my phone. My brain kind of wakes up for the entire day. So if I wake up early and I want to go back to sleep, I just kind of like maybe check the time. And I always, I've been sleeping my phone on do not disturb lately, which has been a game changer because even if I look at the time, I can't see like a million notifications. And then I'll roll back over and wake up at least like an hour, maybe 30 minutes later. But that's good. Have you had a low this week, even though it hasn't been Um, a full week yet? I don't think I have like a new low. I think it's just that funk that I've been in for the past two weeks. I think I'm I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but still there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say that my high following off of last week would be that we got our water back on in our apartment. We were able to shower last night. Um, if you guys didn't hear, we had a flood last week and basically had our water off since Friday. So Friday to Monday. Um, but we were able to shower last night. That was good. I was really happy that like things were starting to get fixed and resolved. Um, the low, however, would be that this morning, so above us, it's we're in this apartment building. It's really old, like I said. Um, and above us is a bed and breakfast and like the cutest couple ever own it. They're so sweet. We literally love them. Um, but they started having plumbing issues this morning and it resulted in another leak into my room on my bed from the ceiling. And I was immediately like, oh my gosh, like this is so crazy. Like our apartment is rejecting us. Like we need to leave. But in a way I was kind of resolved that it was not our plumbing that was causing this. So they had a plumber and they were like really on top of it and got it handled quickly. But yeah, I guess, you know, the high is just that things are starting to get resolved. And also just like my attitude and future, like I honestly believe that I could handle any sort of flooding at this point, you know, <laughs> You're and because even even today, like walking into my room and seeing that like my comforter was wet and there was water coming from the ceiling, I was literally like, "Well, guess it is what it is." Put a bucket and hope for the best. You're gonna be able to just handle whatever is thrown at you. <laughs> I hope so. I think that is the lesson that I'm gonna take away from this time. One of the many lessons I'm gonna take away from my time in Europe. But yeah, um, the high is just like at least we're taking steps in the direction of things getting fixed and yeah, having a shower definitely is, I'm super grateful for that. Um, and then something I'm excited about, I talked about last week that I am going to Greece to see a lot of my friends from Hawaii. We're all going to be together. But, um, beyond that, something I'm excited about is that we're going to a music festival in Budapest and I'm going to get to see my favorite singer, my favorite, I guess I won't call him singer, but Rufus Dussel. I'm obsessed with him. Everyone who knows me knows this. Um, and then they're playing, and then following that act, it's Dua Lipa, and I'm really excited to see her play. 
um, perform. So we're going to be there for just like, it'll be a really, really quick trip, but, um, I haven't been to like a festival, I guess since COVID. So I'm excited for that. I'm interested to hear about your experience there. Yeah, me too. So something I'm excited about, I signed up for an abstract painting class. Wow. At Soho House? No, it's actually an online course, but I'm really, really excited about it. it. I was targeted on Instagram and I don't know, I just looked into it and I was like, I would actually love this. I think it's going to be a cool opportunity to just get creative and learn more. And I've always wanted to like get into painting, but I just, I don't know, I've been intimidated by like not ever knowing how to do it and not ever really being trained. And, you know, there's so many different tools and paints. So I, I'm really, really excited about it. No, actually, Ali, I'm really proud of you because you're doing something for fun and not for a side hustle or business, unless you become like really good at abstract painting and then you start selling them. But we always said like, we need more hobbies that aren't businesses. So yeah. I'm proud of you and for don't think that I didn't start to think about what my art Instagram would be called. <laughs> Allie's you know abstracts. I quickly, I quickly shut that down and put that away. So I'm doing it for fun and that's it tuck that one away in your little mind and and just enjoy. (laughs) Um, Well, that's good. I'm happy that our vibration seems to be higher than last week. And, you know, it's easy to get in a funk and it's always a relief when you kind of start to see the light at the end of it and feel like like you're pulling yourself through. Yeah, So definitely. Um, All right. Well, without further ado, let's get into this episode. There's a lot of There's lots of nuggets of wisdom to take from it from Tanya. And um, yeah, so let's welcome Tanya Evans to Go Call Your Sister. I'm so excited for this episode because we've done a finance episode. It was one of our earlier episodes, actually. But every time we post a question box and it's like, what do you guys want to hear? They're like, crypto. I don't understand. And I'm like, me either. So (laughs) we've been just looking forward to this for so long. And we're so glad you're here. Awesome. Well, anything that I can do to help. It's a series of conversations, really, because even though I've been in this space since 2017, which feels like a million years ago now. Um, but I'm always learning. It's kind of like you always are in a part process of evolution because this space moves so fast. It's And it's 24-7, 365. They don't take any holidays. There's no banking holiday for crypto. So it can be really confusing, um, particularly with the echo chamber. So I'm happy to answer your questions and, and, and let's get into it. Yeah. Well, I'm selfishly excited for this because I have lightly gotten into crypto, but I can definitely learn more. Like you said, there's always room to learn. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got into it? Yeah, it's interesting. As a, I'm a lawyer and a law professor. And in 2017, a really dear friend of mine was at um, the Newhouse School at, at Syracuse, and she was in some type of working group that was focused on the underlying technology, blockchain technology. Um, A blockchain is really just a record of transactions and balances. It's a time-stamped record of transactions and balances. That's that's basically what it is. It's a database of information um, organized a little differently than traditional databases. So she was talking about all of this. And as an intellectual property lawyer, I'm always really interested in open source software. Um, At the time, I was reading some 
um, law review articles, kind of wonky stuff about whether or not people could propertize building on top of open source software and then starting to get questions about it. So at that time, I didn't know what crypto was, where it was. I'm perfectly happy with the almighty dollar. It was fine. Um, and I'm trained to be very cautious and, and suspicious. It's kind of like legal says no until it's a yes. So that was kind of my mentality at the time. But as an educator who always wants to stay on the leading edge of technology and, and having a real responsibility to make sure that the next wave of lawyers can speak the language and really show up for entrepreneurs and people building in the Web3 space, that at a bare minimum, I had to focus on that and integrate some of that information into my courses. Um, once you start to kind of look under the hood a little bit, you if you're like me and many people, you literally fall down the rabbit hole mm-hmm. and you wake up weeks or months later like, oh my God, it's going to revolutionize the world. I have to tell everyone. And in order to really understand, having to have a little skin in the game, figure out how to buy it, how to move it, how to protect crypto, and then all the different types. And that was really my entree um, into the space. I ended up developing a bunch of courses and an online certificate. It was the first online certificate program that focuses on the intersection of blockchain, crypto, and the law. And that's kind of how I, I, I staked my, my, my land or my territory in the space to um, kind of expertize myself. Wow. That's so incredible. I agree. I'm that I'm that same way. When I start looking into something, it's like I come to like hours later and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm <laughs> so far down on TikTok. Like I'm so far down in, on the internet. Exactly. Yeah. How did I get here? How did I get here? Yeah, right? exactly. That's why we started the podcast because we were interested in all of these topics. And we're like, we want to talk to people. They're actually doing it. So I'm glad you were able Absolutely. to talk about this for sure. Absolutely. So our next question is, what exactly is cryptocurrency? I feel like a lot of people out there just have honestly no idea. And what are the different types? Okay, so crypto is, the best way to analogize it is to think about what we can do with peer-to-peer technology. So, and actually crypto combines three technologies that had already existed. And because people usually say it's digital currency. I don't think that helps. It's like, okay, digital currency, but you not defined it, but think about what you can do with peer-to-peer technology. Like in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, back in the day, day, uh, when when peer-to-peer technology came on the scene, it was really about moving MP3 files or other media files um, without having to go through some type of intermediary, right? You didn't have to have someone between person A, who has an MP3 file, and person B, who they're sending it to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so peer-to-peer technology is now leveraged to send not just media files, but also what we consider to be value, Mm -hmm. um, crypto assets. Um, The other technologies involved are obviously the internet and also cryptography. The crypto in uh, cryptocurrency or crypto assets is actually cryptography, which means basically like a double encryption of messaging. So cryptography has been around for decades, but it was this novel combination of the three that allowed the average person, no matter where you are in the world, and and I want to lean into this idea of being a digital nomad, there's no foreign exchange, you know, Bitcoin in the United States is the same as Bitcoin in Italy is the same as Bitcoin in Switzerland, Mm -hmm. a global way to transact value, no matter where you're from, which is really, really powerful when you start to think about 
other areas. It, it's sometimes difficult for folks in the United States or other places where there's a, a stable um, currency to understand why it would be important. And I don't think it will be a replacement, but it is an absolutely powerful alternative. And it is a customer service issue for for banks that charge fees and it can take days from the time you actually send someone $100 to the time it actually settles instead of days or weeks for settlement. Now it's minutes or hours. And so those are, you know, when you think about the power of of crypto, it is also uh, the final point in comparison and contrasting to MP3 files. The big problem with peer-to-peer technology was that I could still have the perfect digital copy of that MP3, but I send it out on the interweb to tens of thousands of people, that would be a huge problem, not only for the entertainment industry, but obviously for money, right? Um, But uh, this mythical character, Satoshi Nakamoto, in 2009, January of 2009, released the first cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, um, to actually avoid this double spend problem. Like if I have one Bitcoin and I send it, that's it. It's forever out of my wallet and then forever in yours until you uh, trans, uh, transfer it again. So hopefully that helps a little bit to figure out yeah. why it was even be important to have this as an alternative. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like I've seen that living here, even just like with the the struggle with the different dollars and the euros and nothing equates one another. So right. having a universal currency is so interesting. And I feel like honestly what we should do worldwide to begin with, because just makes everything more difficult, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And when you think about the physical borders really start to dissolve when you think, one, we're all connected. We all connected. There is no way that we can wall ourselves off in or out. We think as a matter of the environment and all sorts of things. And this type of technology and the ability to transact um, and exchange value globally is critically important for just surviving and thriving. And it really is, we're seeing the beginning of a really exciting time. There are a lot of growing pains. We can talk about the risks as well. I'm a lawyer. I want to just give an educator, I shoot straight, but the opportunity to imagine a world where we're more connected because we can transact regardless of our socioeconomic condition, Mm -hmm. uh, because you don't have to have a full Bitcoin worth $22,000, dollars You can have a fractional interest. You can buy a dollar's worth. Um, that's a game changer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So jumping ahead a little bit, what are some of the risks? Some of the risks, there's so many scammers having less to do with crypto and more to do with the fact that this is the the latest and the hottest. There's so much FOMO. Um, and it, with the counterbalance of FOMO is FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the echo chamber, when I think of when electronic mail or email first came on the scene, um, we're having a lot of the same issues and people send in emails and there's a lot of phishing scams now that have have nothing to do with crypto, right? It's just Mm -hmm. click on the link and it's game over uh, in terms of access. But electronic mail was the first use case for the internet and crypto is really the first use case for blockchain. And we're just seeing the same proliferation of scams. Um, there are over 20,000 different types of coins and tokens. So, yeah, we talk about Bitcoin. We talk about ETH or Ethereum. You hear about Doge and, and, and then you hear about the stable coins. They all function differently. And that can be really risky for people thinking it's a one-for-one exchange, right? If you're going to have some Bitcoin and it's going to be 
function exactly the same way as ETH or ETH is going to function exactly the same way as a stable. Uh, and that is um, uh, of great concern because people jump in without really understanding or being able to discern. Mm. Um, and then finally, there are, or not finally, but an additional thing is because there's so many different projects and many people moving in the crypto space are at a minimum pseudonymous. Like you might be able to see their public wallet without knowing who they are, or where they are. And that's kind of a feature, not a bug, right? But that can be highly problematic if you have issues. Um, and one of the other areas where I see a lot of uh, failure is the self-custody aspect of crypto. That is also a feature, not a bug that I don't have to call the bank and ask for a transaction, but you also can't roll it back. Or if I lose access to my wallet, it's like game over. Um, if I don't know how to manage my seed words that everybody gets a either I think it's like 12 or 24 seed words to set up a crypto wallet, you actually can lose the wallet or lose access to the wallet, but you have to have your seeds. If you don't have your seed words, you can't set it up again. And the self-custody, the loss of funds and the loss of control is a really, really big risk in the space as well. Okay, one more question, backing up a little bit. So you often hear about the blockchain. Everyone talks about the blockchain. What, like, where is the blockchain? Is it online <laughs> somewhere? Like, is it up in space? Like, can you right. explain a little bit about that? Excellent question. And p we talk about the blockchain. There are actually thousands of them. And you, we start to think of it as the way that we have the internet, but then we have these versions maybe of like intranet, Maybe there's some type of permissioned access. And you might start to think of blockchains that can be public and permissionless, meaning um, there uh, you can have access without getting permission or some type of gatekeeper. And actually, let me take one minor step back to even set up this, um, this answer to your question. Blockchains are software, 100%. Software databases, they are decentralized, meaning instead of one of the fangs, like, you know, the Facebooks or the Googles of the world, having a database that is siloed that only they control. Any computer that runs, let's use Bitcoin as the example, the Bitcoin software, you don't have to run software on your computer or elsewhere in order to participate. You can just have a wallet and hold uh, Bitcoin. But some uh, folks decide to dedicate their computational power in order to secure the network. That means that tens of thousands of computers at this point for Bitcoin, probably millions, but let's say tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of computers are running the same software that basically says, does this person have what they say they have or not? It either is or it isn't. It's if then. Um, so Bitcoin is the um, native coin to the Bitcoin blockchain, meaning all the transactions and balances are um, written to, saved to, secured by the Bitcoin blockchain. Yeah. Ethereum has its own ecosystem. And Ethereum's a little different because we refer to it as the um, Ethereum virtual machine or the EVM. The way that the uh, Ethereum software was developed was actually to function like an operating system, like a world computer, which is why you see so many projects building on Ethereum. That's where we get a lot of the decentralized finance. That's where we get a lot of the NFTs, although there are other platforms that su support it. So there are many different types of blockchains that record specific transactions and balances of a, of a particular coin or token. Um, and the final point here is that the difference between a coin and a token, a coin has a native blockchain. 
Bitcoin is native to the um, Bitcoin blockchain. Ethereum or Ether is native to the Ethereum virtual machine or, or the, the Ethereum blockchain. Then you have these thousands of tokens out there, Doge, Maker, uh, Dai, I, we could go on. Um, and they don't have a dedicated blockchain. So their transactions and balances are saved to written to um, the Ethereum virtual machine. So tokens don't have their own blockchain. Native coins do. Okay. Very interesting. I'm learning literally so many things I've never <laughs> even heard of before. Um, so now that we kind of have that like basic understanding of coins and tokens and crypto, if you're someone like us who is interested in or just getting started in crypto, what's your advice? What's the first step you should take? Well, first, just be really cautiously optimistic and also intellectually curious and start where you are. The way that I started was to figure out first and also to know you can't know all the things about all the things, like throw that out of the window. It's just too much going on. It's too much, even for me, you can't know all the things. So find what you're really, really interested in. For me, it was intellectual property. I'm an, you know, as an IP lawyer, uh, what for me early on, what projects were trying to solve some of the issues in the intellectual property space and in copyright and trademark? In what ways could this technology be leveraged in order to um, cure some of those things, fix some of those things, make things better, faster, cheaper? And if those projects also were connected to a token, that would be more interesting to me. I would also usually start with the OG in the space, Bitcoin. Bitcoin is interesting because it um, has a hard cap of 21 million coins. There will only and ever be 21 million coins in circulation and 19 million of them are already out there. 19 million coins have already been mined, but it will take years, 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 years to get to the um, to the end of that chain, longer than our lifetimes um, probably combined um, for reasons maybe we could talk about on the, if we get a little more wonky and talk about why. But at a high level, it has a hard cap, which is why many people compare Bitcoin to gold because it's mm -hmm. a finite resource. As more and more people come into the space, the demand will go up but the resources will shrink, making it more valuable over time. Yeah. Right? In comparison to something like Doge, which is like constantly being created, uh, others, or maybe they have a high cap, or maybe they don't have a strong community to support. So leaning into the ones that have a, a better track record over a longer period of time, rather than jumping into something that was created two weeks ago, we don't know who they are, where they are, what they're doing. They could be here today, gone tomorrow. Um, start there. And then the final thing is use resources. There are a ton of free resources. I welcome anyone to come to AdvantageEvans.com. I have everything from free webinars to courses, a club, a low-cost club to, to meet. But one of my favorite resources is CoinMarketCap.com doesn't cost anything. It is purely agnostic. It is an aggregator of data and it has every single coin and token and their historical information and direct links to the projects at that one website. And they have a great learning platform as well. They have a great glossary of terms. So find something that you're curious about, get more information, go slowly, but go. <laughs> this is the future. And you're really in a great position to take advantage of it now because we're still, even though Bitcoin has been around since 2009, we're so early still. That's reassuring because so often I feel like you can think you're behind if you're yeah. not in it already. I want to ask you two things off of that. First off, um, mining, that just means created, yeah. right? 
It's that not is like correct. physically mining anything. That's correct. It's like this, you know, a rough analogy that it, 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 um, it's unlocking the Bitcoin that was predetermined. So I guess that's the kind of the analogy. If we think about yeah. gold, the gold yeah. technically is there, but you don't have it until you actually unearth it. Um, and so that's the analogy to, to mining. Not all blockchains rely on mining. My, mining refers to um, the method or the means that a software uses in order to create tokens and to secure the network. Mm-hmm. So you've heard probably um, of proof of work. That is what the Bitcoin blockchain relies on. Roughly every 10 minutes, um, the Bitcoin software is aggregating whatever transactions happen in that 10 minute period, which means that the, the blocks can be bigger or smaller, depends on how many. Sometimes there's a lot of transactions, sometimes fewer. And every 10 minutes, that software is going to aggregate that information and computers, this is this computational power that you hear about with with, um, proof of work. Computers are basically um, competing to get the right um, answer or series or combination in order to unlock the Bitcoin. And there's a certain number of Bitcoins that are unlocked at a particular time. That actually helps a lot because I was thinking the same thing as I was listening. I was like, wait, okay, mining, is it? Is someone out there actually creating it? So that makes right. a lot more sense. Right. Once you get crypto, how do you know when it's the best time to buy and sell? I feel like we always see things on the internet, you know, like everyone sell your crypto <laughs> right now because Elon Musk said so. So right. like, wait, how do you know when it's the best time to make moves? I teach uh, my Advantage Evans Academy students that it's not, it's very difficult, dare I say impossible, because I'm not a trader. It is very difficult to time the crypto market because of the fact that it's three, you know, 24-7, 365. You go to sleep one day and you're like, man, crypto is killing it. And you wake up and you're like, oh, dear God, I've lost everything. Right. So like nobody has any time for that. So instead of trying to time the market, it's your time in the market. It's the same strategy that you think about with stocks. If you're building over time that I believe in dollar dollar cost averaging or crypto cost averaging, kind of setting it and forget it. I'm going to guarantee that every week or biweekly or monthly, I'm going to buy what I can reasonably afford over time. And then it's the arc of there, there will be periods where things will accelerate and be really up, or you may want to cash out because you have a particular need. But this is not a get rich quick scheme. If you want to do that, go buy some lottery tickets, go to Vegas. This is not, this is, we are building wealth. We are building generational wealth because really amassing generational wealth does not come from high income and being super wicked smart. I love being super wicked smart. I went to Northwestern undergrad. I went to Howard Law School. Nobody can take my education away from me. I love earning all the dollars. Give me the fiat. That is Fiat is government issued currency. I'll take that as well. But wealthy people actually don't want a high income because it's taxed at a higher rate than capital assets. And crypto is taxed as property. It's a capital asset. It experiences capital gains and losses. So cryptocurrency is a bit of a misnomer. It can be used as, as currency to exchange, you know, medium of um, exchange, unit of account, the way that we would describe currency. But it's also a great store of value, which is why people speculate in the space and invest buying at this point and selling at a later point. We're in a crypto winter right now, but if crypto today or when this airs, uh, let's think of Bitcoin 
has been moving sideways, like 20, 21, 22, 23,000 per, per coin. Um, when my um, Advantage Evans students started in 2020, when I opened the academy, we started at like 10,000. There are some people who bought at 67 at the height, and then it contracts, but everything in this world has contracted. It's not just about crypto. The fundamentals of certain crypto haven't changed. Our world changed. Wars, rumors of wars, pandemonium, uh, interest off the charts, uh, excuse me, uh, inflation, the Fed hike. Retirement accounts are in, in the toilet as well. So this this is not a microcosm. So don't try to time the market, but start to learn the way that the coins and tokens you're paying attention to. How do they move? Historically, when have they ebbed and flowed? And you will start to get an appreciation for when's a good time to buy a little bit more. My final point is buying the dip is something that people talk about as well. It's difficult to figure out where the bottom is. So you have to kind of look at some historical things. But those are some of the uh, ways that I would start to approach dollar cost or crypto cross averaging, buying the dip, having a set it and forget it plan so that emotions won't get you to buy, buy, buy or sell, sell, sell. Mm-hmm. So if you are ready to buy, are there certain apps that you would recommend using? The first one I love is Cash App. If you, if really? So many of us already have Cash App. You open it up, go to the last tab and you can buy Bitcoin instantly. Yeah. The second thing I want folks to do is to set up a wallet so that you can pull it off of Cash App, which is a centralized exchange. So it's not ideal, but it's the easiest way. And they were very early in the, in the crypto space. I, I love very much and it's, it's very user friendly. But do not leave your crypto on a centralized platform for long or and certainly not forever. You need to learn how to store your own crypto and you have to do that slowly. If you have a million dollars worth of crypto, you don't want to sit around with it on a phone app. Like you got to get really serious really quickly, but smaller amounts, you, uh, you know, Cash App is a great place. Set up your own uh, wallet. You can do that. I'm not paid to say this, but these are the ones, some of the tools. Um, Gemini has both a wallet and an exchange that I think is great. Um, And so you can buy on Cash App and then start to learn at small amounts, how to transfer it from Cash App into your account, then get familiar with the beginner interface of Gemini. There are others. I'm not a huge fan, um, full transparency of Coinbase, but obviously it's one of the most Mm well-known. Just know, final point about centralized exchanges, and this came out a couple of months ago um, with respect to Coinbase, but certainly not the only exchange um, to say this. If they are holding your assets, you no longer control your crypto. If it's not your keys, it's not your crypto. It's an IOU. You send your Bitcoin there and you can exchange it for things. And it's an IOU. It's like, okay, thank you. It's now they are controlling it with their keys. Um, And if they go bankrupt, they take your money with them. And you have less of a priority in bankruptcy than someone else. You have no control over it. And centralized exchanges get hacked all the time. Yeah. So that's the other thing to think about. But um, you can do this. We have not generally been raised to um, manage our own money. But as a matter of self-sovereignty, when I think of us as women, um, in particular, any marginalized community, the power in controlling your own asset means that you have more control over your destiny. And with so many things um, going on with respect to individual rights, 
the tool of finance and money and assets, that tool is power. Um, And and so this is a great way to start to build power for the future. It's so powerful to be able to control, you know, your outcome, especially with how crazy things are these days. And going back to the, um, the app. So I use Venmo to buy mm-hmm. crypto. All the crypto I've ever bought is from Venmo because it's easy. My accounts are connected. However, I did not know about the wallet. I think I just bought yeah. it one day because last year my dad said, you know, just take a, a little bit of your paycheck every month and buy a little bit of crypto. Good. Like throw all your money in there. Cause I would, I would call him like, dad, what is Bitcoin? I don't understand. <laughs> and he encouraged me to kind of each month buy a little bit of crypto and it's on my Venmo and you can see it going up and down, but I had no idea about the wallet. So I'm like, okay, next up my to-do list, go to Gemini and create a wallet. Yeah, it's a really great uh, platform. Gemini was founded by the Winklevoss brothers, two true OGs in the space, and really honor the the energy and spirit of, of where crypto, Bitcoin in particular, I know they're big Bitcoin guys, but crypto more generally, but also that it has to be, legal and safe and compliant. And they are ahead of the game with that. That's extremely important to me as well. Um, One of the things people don't talk about a lot is what do we do about our taxes as well? And you might, you know, first, it wasn't the first time last year, but um, in the top third of the 1040, um, it asks, it has like that checkbox, like, have you ever bought, sold, acquired, like this laundry list of things at the end, crypto. Um, It wasn't to throw people in jail per se, but it was to start to get an idea on the underreporting and and um, the underreporting and unreporting of of taxable gains. It's like we're not trying to outlaw it, but we do want our money, um, and so people need to be careful with that. But there are a lot of great resources even to track that. When I first started, it's like it's like a spreadsheet or a, a napkin and pray because at least I'm paying, right? <laughs> Now we have things like Cointracker.io and TaxBit that integrate with like TurboTax or, or CPAs have access. So there are a lot of ways to get in, to be compliant, but also to win. So just so I'm getting unclear on the wallet thing. So when you transfer it into the wallet, that means you own it? It means that you own and control it. Yes. Okay. When you have access to it and you get to... Um, digitally signed for transactions to go in and out of that wallet, you are in control. When you're transferring um, crypto onto a platform to exchange, if I have Bitcoin and I send it to an exchange to exchange it for some other token, while it is on that centralized system, I don't have any control over it. It's an IOU. I have my quote unquote account. I have a ledger of my transactions and balances with Gemini, but I'm not in control of it. Right. Um, I leave a little bit there sometimes to stake coins. You can earn interest and there's some other promotions. Most of your crypto, not a safe place to be. I don't care what platform it is. And so that's the real importance of having your own wallet and actually a diversity of wallets, depending upon, um, it used to be, it's better now, but it used to be the case. And, and, and to some st- extent, it still is. Some wallets may only hold one, two, or a few types of tokens or coins. Mm-hmm. And so you also have to learn, all right, I have Stellar. Does the wallet that I have accept it and hold it? Mm-hmm. Because if you transfer or make, attempt to make a transfer to a wallet that doesn't hold that type of coin or token, you actually might lose it. So that's another part of the interesting concern. Most every wallet is going to hold Bitcoin and probably ETH, 
But again, there's so many coins and tokens, you want to be careful about making sure that the wallet that you have holds it and a diversity of wallets so that if God forbid something happens to one, that at least you have your other assets and, and, and wallets to rely on. It's kind of like in the stock market. So when you have your money in the stock market, you're out. You're not in control of what goes That's up correct. or goes down. But then when you sell it, it that money becomes yours and you're That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Okay. Gotcha. Wow. That makes sense now. Thank you. Yeah. That, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> the next question um, that I'm very interested in, I know that you briefly mentioned NFT earlier, but mm. what is an NFT and how <laughs> are they used? I think it was the beginning of this year that I started seeing NFTs and I was like, is this a prank? Like what is going on? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> The, both, the, the answer is uh, yes and no. <laughs> it depends on who is issuing them. In order to understand um, NFTs, we think about the word fungible and non-fungible token. So a fungible asset means it's interchangeable. Um, so if I had $1 and it, I, all the dollars are the same value. Technically speaking, you can distinguish them because of their serial number, but we don't pay attention and it all equals the same amount. With a non-fungible asset, their value is, its value is unique. Think of art, physical art, before we kind of get to non-fungible tokens connected to art. I could have a Basquiat, you could have a Van Gogh, and we could agree to exchange, but each one has its unique value. Mm-hmm. Okay. Think of a home, even if you live in a, a community of McMansions, right? Each plot of land is unique. Each home that's built on it is unique. It has its own value. We can have comps and things like that, but hopefully that is the difference between something that is purely fungible and interchangeable versus something has its own that has its own value. Mm-hmm. What does this mean for the uh, the crypto space? Non fungible tokens. A rough analogy for a non fungible token is like a deed to a home. Mm-hmm. The deed is not the home. But the deed represents my connection to and my control and or ownership of that home. The home is the actual asset. Non-fungible tokens are the way to trans uh, to record transactions and balances connected to something else, or something else is connected to it, I should say. The non-fungible token is an asset, but it is referenced to and connected um, um, through software or coding, I should say, to either digital um, renderings, the art, the collectibles that we're thinking about, but also other things. Intellectual property is a big issue in non-fungible tokens. Um, ticket scalping, like Ticketmaster had this whole program where they would use non-fungible tokens to represent a unique value of, of, of a ticket. But also, in addition to that, you get into the game and now you might have access by just showing your NFT in your wallet to have um, fan engagement. It could be digital, but it also could be a physical asset or an experience. So while we're talking about it in the context of art and collectibles, and I own a ton of NFTs um, as a collector more than an investor, that's kind of the first thing, but it may not even be the most important. Think about using non-fungible tokens as a um, a unique identification of a person. Like if I go and buy alcohol, you don't have to know where I live. You know, as a woman, it's like, do I have to show my ID? Now you know how tall I am, what color my eyes are, and my address. Or mm-hmm. do you just need to know, am I 21 or not? 
mm-hmm. um, as a matter of safety and our digital identity, that is a really interesting use case to me as well. So the technology yeah. in and of itself, the non-fungible token is the representation of um, some type of ownership or control, but there's a separate asset that is uniquely connected, inextricably linked to that NFT. Okay. That's so crazy because I, when I hear NFT, I just think of like art, like you said, right. like music and art. You don't think about all the other cases where it could be useful and helpful. So mm-hmm. that, that's really cool. Something new awesome. for, me, for sure. Yeah. That definitely gave me a lot of insight because you see on TikTok, it's like, Local girl sells photo for $3 billion on, <laughs> as an NFT. And you're like, um, am I doing things right? Like, I, 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 why am I working so hard? Why don't I just I have a million pictures on my phone? I could be a millionaire. <laughs> exactly. Which you could do. I mean, think of the really interesting ways. You all are amazing content creators. Are there different experiences that you might? And I, I encourage you to have some fun with it. You cannot lose anything by deciding in what ways can you engage your listeners or other things that you're creating for additional experiences. And digital ownership and value is so critically important in monetizing your intellectual property. Um, There are a lot of interesting opportunities to do that with this technology. Again, it's not without its risks. There's so many rug pulls. And think about um, the value of a piece of art whether it's physical or digital, goes up and down depending upon the demand at the time. Is there a buying, a, a willing buyer and a willing seller at the same time, right? We think of, um, um, I can't remember, oh, Jack's tweet, like his first tweet, for example. Somebody spent a gazillion dollars, but then the next person, he's not Jack. Maybe somebody wanted to buy from him for a million dollars, but not the second person in the chain. Who cares about the second person in the chain? Right. So maybe he can only get a thousand dollars. So it's very fickle market. But there are some really savvy ways to navigate as brand um, and content creators to really kind of leverage non fungible assets to have a really cool experience. Yeah, wow, that's really so interesting. Go call your sister. NFT is coming soon. Yeah. Hey. Coming soon. <laughs> We're t shirts and NFT at the same Let's time. Go. Let's go. <laughs> um, so. I guess just kind of a wrap up the interview here. What is the future of crypto in your opinion? It's really interesting because so many, there's a lot of money sitting on the sidelines when I think of institutional investment, um, only because of the lack of regulatory certainty and clarity. Like they don't want to get in, invest all in. They definitely want to make a lot of money, but they don't want to have any risk of assets or the risk of of compliance issues. Um, But it's not a matter of if, but when, because there's a clear indication from from this administration and, and regardless, quite frankly, of the side of politics, that this technology is important to position America to be kind of out on front as a matter of supporting innovation, but at the same time protecting uh, consumers and investors in the space. President Biden just came out with an executive order um, um, advising administ- um, 
administrative agencies to have like a coordinated effort so that we could kind of be on one accord with how do we regulate this? How are um, legislative initiatives going to go forward to provide the optimum between innovation and, and consumer protection? Um, but you're going to continue to see the proliferation of tokens. You're going to see a ton of brands coming in the space. Actually, Tiffany just launched a limited edition NFT for CryptoPunks. It's not for everybody. And their their NFT is 30 ETH, which is, if ETH is like $1,700 per to- uh, um, coin today, 30 ETH for a Tiffany uh, rendering of a CryptoPunk. It's a super specific group, but um, tons of brands are going to get into the space. They'll be looking for mm-hmm. brand ambassadors to to push as well. And I think over time, you'll start to see the space settle where the movement of crypto cycles may be more predictable. This is like the mm-hmm. third or fourth crypto winter where things are have really pulled back. Um, and there's no telling how long this will be. But when I think of the future of wealth and work and certainly creativity, as we've been talking about, um, I just see the best of this type of technology as a matter of access as a matter of transparency, as a matter of opportunity, is really going to start to lay up, if we do this right, level the playing field globally in ways that laws have not been able or willing to do across the board. Mm -hmm. So it's an exciting time to see it being built. It's also a terrifying time because so much can go Mm -hmm. wrong. But, you know, I want you to be prudent and move forward, but definitely move. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, as we, as the years go by, like our, our children and all these other generations coming up, they're not going to not know what crypto is. You know, we all kind of were like in the middle of our life so far and everyone's like, here's crypto and NFTs. And you're like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Um, And, you know, as the years go on, people are going to be more familiar and it's not going to be this daunting topic of, and then also as content creators, like that's my full-time job. And just Mm -hmm. knowing that, you know, this is the future and brands are going to turn towards this. So it's worth being educated on it and knowing what's going on. So that's such a great point. And I just appreciate all of this knowledge that you shared with us today, because I personally have learned so many different things. I know Allie has as well. (laughs) Awesome. Um, Well, we like to end each episode by asking our guests two things. Um, The first is what's a mantra or affirmation that you're living by right now? Great question. Um, Relax, relate, release. Oh my gosh, I love that. Right? Right? I'm a guy now. (laughs) It is. I'm on um, one year leave so that I can focus on writing and research and travel. And so I really am just concentrated so much on what it means to truly relax, to truly relate, and to truly release kind of take the lessons and the blessings and just keep moving. Um, Mm Because we've all been through so much in in this uh, recent history. It's like just recharging. And uh, uh, yeah, that's that's where I am. That's where I am. The second one is space, grace, and pace. But they all kind of go together. (laughs) Well, you're about to embark on a big journey. Where are you going? 
So I'm going to spend five weeks in um, Italy and France. And I'm like, yeah. frantically, my eyes are darting around. I know your listeners can't see, but I was trying to find my itinerary. But oh basically, I've always joked about just, you know, I can't be bothered. I'm in the south of France. And it's like, oh, dear God, soon I'm going to be in the south of France. That's going to be amazing. I will eat, drink and pray and love my way through Italy and France. And so that's what I'll oh be doing. Oh, my goodness. Well, Good. if you're in Florence, if you find yourself in Florence, okay. I'm here. Yay. And I would be so honored to meet in person just because I've loved meeting you on this podcast. So thank you. I know I stopped. Let me know. I think at some point I'm in Genoa. There's like this other place, but I'm going to have my people call your people and we're going to coordinate. Oh, please. Well, but we'll, we'll figure it out. I would be like, okay, and now I have 20 other questions now that I've listened <laughs> to the podcast seven times. And I Oh, oh gosh. Um, okay, um, last thing we like to ask is we always do a would you rather or just like a fun open-ended question that goes with the episode. Um, so let's do if you invested in crypto back in 09, say that you did, what would be your first big purchase? Oh man. That's a good one. My first big purchase. Can I say what, what what I would my first big money move would be? Yes, yeah, absolutely. I'm paying off all the debt. This is kind of what I did actually. Yeah. <laughs> all my debt, mother's debt, father's debt, hit wow. the restart button. That is what I would do, knowing what I know now. Now, back in 2009, it probably would have been I don't know. It's it's a car, it's a house, you know, it's a, all the things. I have a slightly better mind right now. You know, a woman of a certain age. I'm trying to, I'm mm-hmm. thinking for the future. Um, yeah, but it was so um, financial and fiscal security so that I ultimately can thrive because yeah. I believe in traveling very well, ladies. Mm-hmm. But the yes. rest of my life is, I, I like to live well, but simply. So mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of the trappings of, of those things, but the safety and security of knowing that I am not beholden to a credit card or anybody yeah. else and I can move any way I want. That is um, the type of power that I'm trying to move with. So with this mind and with that Bitcoin, that's that's those are some serious money moves. Yeah, yeah definitely. That, that <laughs> is so the, true, though. Like, there's no freedom, like the freedom of not being tied yeah. to anything, not being financial peace financially. Absolutely. My dad, when I was in exactly. Hawaii, he mailed me the book um, "Financial Peace" by Dave Ramsey. And yes. Sweetie, I'm sending you a nice little beach read. And I'm like, on the beach, my friends are reading like Colleen Hoover. And I'm like, if I get a credit card, I'm going to die. Your father gets the A for the day. He can go to the head of my class any day. Perfect. He would love to hear that. Oh, my goodness. So how can our listeners find you and connect with you and, you know, utilize all of your resources that you have for us out there? So I'm definitely on the Twitters, which is really where a lot of the crypto conversation happens. And so definitely follow me there at IPProfEvans, same handle on um, Insta, same handle on TikTok. My TikTok is not very fabulous, but I'll work on that. Perhaps I'll really start to go deep in in Italy, (laughs) right? Um, And definitely come by the website. Again, I have free webinars. One of my... um, one of the webinars I'm most excited about right now is at secureyourcryptobag.com. And it just takes you through the steps to how to um, secure your wallets, how to set up your exchanges, how to move your crypto, what things to think about to be safe in the space as you continue to build. 
And then I have my club. We meet monthly. We talk about the headlines. I answer questions. I have prof office hours, and that's a great way to connect. And then I have courses from Cash to Crypto, Decode the Future for DeFi, and also um, a course on NFTs and the law. Yeah, well, we need to get well, on that. I'll see you guys there. I'll, <laughs> I'll see you over there because I'm going to be doing something. Oh my gosh. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today. This has just been, it has been an honor to talk to you and just to get to learn from you. And we yeah. really appreciate you joining us. I'm so happy that we connected. See, social media for good. Because it yeah, connected exactly. us. Yes. Well, I'm glad we exactly. waited too. We've been wanting to do a crypto episode for so long and just never really found the right person to do it with. And this was perfect. And so yeah. thankful to know you and talk to you. And we can't wait for other people to hear this because I think that it's so empowering and you've shared so much knowledge. So thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank I'll you. I'll get to see you in real life in Italy soon. So exactly. keep me updated on your travel. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, thank you.